Ah, oh, for Christ's sake, Anakin! Hello and welcome to episode 44 of For Christ's Sake, Anakin. I'm your host, Matthew Neugebauer, coming to you live to air from sunny, cold, sunny Wainwright, Alberta, Canada, here in sunny Alberta. It is Friday, March the 1st, 2019. Welcome to March. Yes, it's still cold in March here in Alberta. It is also the Friday uh, of the seventh week of Epiphany, or Sexagesima. If you're counting by church land, we are less than a week away uh, to Lent, and all the goodness and holiness that we seek to gain through that season. I am joined as always by a glass of a uh, uh, bottle of water and R2D2. He is excited. Got a bit of a special guest on today. Uh, Anakin Skywalker. No, that's not where I came, got the full lead, but you know, for the original, but. I am becoming more powerful. You, you are, eh? If you're not with me, then you're my enemy. Great. Thanks, Annie. <laughs> that is that wonderful, uh, well, about a foot tall figure. You can see it if you follow me on Instagram at MNUG1138. Um, the setup for today's recording. It's the one where you, you put the mask on. comes with all the Vader stuff. You put the mask on. He changes into Vader and the lightsaber is normally blue. It goes red and you actually have Vader quotes. Because we are talking today about quote unquote gray Jedi, quote unquote, and uh, this is partly in response to uh, a podcast recently by on uh, the Clashing Sabers podcast that you can go follow, especially on their f great Facebook community that they've got going there. Uh, neat podcast, listen to it sometimes. Um, I, I do get to listen to it. Uh, they gotten the whole discussion about gray Jedi and possibilities and I'm all, but I wanted to say this and I want to say that and I want to say this. And so I went ahead and commented on their post in the Facebook group and then, um, thought, Hey, that's not a bad, uh, episode I should do. Kind of bring my thoughts in there. There's some theology underlining where I stand. I've gone into that a little bit before, uh, on this podcast, but go into it a bit more in depth, and I'll get back to that. Uh, first off, how am I Star Warsing? Well, I finally finished Timothy Zahn's Conqueror's Pride, and that isn't specifically a Star Wars novel. Going slightly off the beaten path for these this opening segment here. That isn't st strictly speaking a Star Wars novel, but it's Timothy Zahn, so it counts. And but more importantly. It's slow and methodical. He's kind of the kind of the stereotypical Agatha Christie type thing, where it isn't so much things get unveiled over time and over through the course of the novel, and you get tidbits and things to keep you going. The plot is basically this: there's this mystery hanging there, and the plot is basically getting the characters into the position where finally in the end they can actually find out what's going on. And that's exactly, I bring that up especially because that's exactly what happens in Thrawn Alliances, right? That both the Anakin and the Vader storyline, especially the Anakin storyline, which to me, I, for some reason, in my mind, that's actually really at the heart of it. 
Um, well, I guess there are these two mysteries going on, one in each storyline. They're connected somehow, somewhat. I think that was probably the frustration of, of the Thrawn Alliance. It's not the frustration. The, the reason people weren't too hot on that novel. It, it takes some work to read through. And, and even Conqueror's Pride is hard to get in because we actually have to do the work of tracking with the characters. And especially in, in the Conqueror's thing, Timothy Zahn is building his own world here. And so with Eddie first novel of a new new world uh there's exposition there's different things but what's interesting is even then he doesn't give it all up front he gives a tidbit in the middle and then more in the end just so you can recall back oh i remember reading about this the other day in this novel that i'm holding in my hands it takes some work um definitely going to read throne treason that'll be I do hope that pushes the Thrawn story forward. Things that have been developed even in the first Thrawn novel about his loyalty to the Empire or to the Chiss Ascendancy. Uh, but it's probably, I'm, I'm just prepared for uh, a mystery that's going to be unveiled at the end. In a way that, I mean, that's the thing about the Conqueror's books, so at least Conqueror's Pride. I'll be reading Conqueror's Heritage soon. Um, Conqueror's, Conqueror's Pride and the Thrawn novels. Any good mysteries is actually really trying to tell you something. Any good story is trying to tell you something about the world we live in now. And Conqueror's, it, it's about politics and about nuclear weapons and um, the posturing that's involved in nuclear weapons and I won't give it too much more away but um, that much in the political posturing and then it's also a personal rescue mission but involving a family so so some interesting things going on in that novel I do recommend you read it if you like it I haven't read the Thrawn the Legends Thrawn trilogy um, again I'll read the canon Thrawn trilogy I'm calling it that now Legend Thrawn trilogy. I read the graphic novel of that, so I, I don't, and I don't quite recall it ha having the same kind of pace and flow. But um, I don't quite recall it having that kind of structure of all about getting people to a point at the end where they can finally get the MacGuffin or get the answer or whatever. Uh, but that's. Uh, Conqueror's Pride. I'm probably going to next. I will do my reread, the first ever reread I've ever done, really. I'm going to reread Darth Plagueis as part of my 20th anniversary Phantom Menace uh, celebration. <laughs> that might be kind of a Lenten thing. Either that, or I'll try and fit it in before Queen Shadow comes in. Um, Queen, yeah, Queen Shadow will get in in Toronto and will be mailed to Alberta I think <laughs> but I, I, I mean I'll definitely get to be reading Queen Shadow and I'll probably eat that up quickly uh, but Plagueis I'll probably eat up quickly too so uh, you know I have fodder to talk about that uh, a few more things Galaxy's Edge news just dropped uh, lots of details about how the immersive story the different 
be with the resistance or with the first order or have the, the black market bounty hunters in between. That sounds cool. For some reason, I just get stressed thinking about it. Um, I probably because I take it too seriously. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I have the ladies just don't take it so seriously. Have some fun. Like, oh, I've got to, got to complete this whole thing. I've got to get all these experiences and with a, and a crowd of thousands of people. I mean, realistically, I probably won't make it until my 40th birthday, which is in seven years from now. <laughs> so, um, you know, okay. I'll, by then, I'll, I'll, people have gone through the plot. They'll probably have changed it up a bit, a bit by then. Um, but... It looks exciting, looks fun, looks a little too much like a video game, and I still haven't even done the campaign mode in Battlefront 2, because I'm, it's going to be working, going to be stressful, and just trying to relax. But speaking of Battlefront 2, they did release uh, the Chosen One add-on, so I was able to get that, and you think you get 60,000 credits to buy one of the uh, the clone trooper packs. So I did that and got my Coruscant Guard to match my mug. So I got Anakin, of course. Anakin comes with it. Um, I, I don't do the online thing because it's extra money, but I still just do the arcades. The arcade mode, shoot them up. Um, and that's been fun, but, you know, I'll see if I if I can wheel myself into doing the campaign mode, blow myself and figure out how to actually pilot uh, a Starfighter without crashing into things. <laughs> um, that's how yeah, that's how I've been Star wars -ing. I do want to make one more thing about the Oscars I mentioned Black Panther before first of all I'll say Solo and Infinity War came up short okay that's fine it's the Oscars the, the real star for me was Black Panther and it won for costume design production design and original score and it was nominated for best picture and I think Probably even more than the the production design, visual and graphic and costume design ones and the score. The fact that it was nominated for Best Picture is an achievement in itself and, and worthy of that achievement. The when they, they were announcing the production and costume design awards, they they show if you've watched the Oscars, you know, they show all the, the different nominees and just examples of the films and yeah, the favorite and something about going to space. Those were good. Those look good, but they've been done before. And Black Panther was just in its own league in those categories. I think it, I don't. I don't think it was close to my mind uh, that it would win those Oscars. There's just things that we had not seen before, done before, at least not in the West. It was very much going into these real. If you look at the special features, going to these real uh, Eastern African, Southeastern African countries and their cultures, the real nations there, and real languages, and bringing up those, the vibrancy of those colors and sounds. You can almost smell this film. It's the closest thing we've gotten to smell a vision. <laughs> um, yeah, well-deserved, and congrats to them and to, uh, to Marvel Studios, uh, yeah, for, for well-earned reward, well-earned accolades, well-earned. Uh, 
On that note, I don't know if I'll be able to uh, record an episode next Friday just because I'm going to see Captain Marvel. Woo! And I'm excited for that. And uh, I might break my rules and just do a little quick pod um, reaction to that film. I know this isn't the Marvel film, Marvel podcast, the Star Wars podcast, but um, House of Mouse and House of Mouse in Space specifically, right? Um, and so get, I'm getting excited for that. Uh, and so Friday morning, I have to block out for preaching for sermon prep. So we'll see. We'll see what happens um, in the, the Lenten series. I'm thinking about doing something on, first of all, I haven't done much on enough about the original trilogy. It's a prequels podcast, but the point of prequelism isn't to say that it's better than the original trilogy. It's to say that they're on par. We enjoy, I enjoyed them equally too. Uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm thinking of doing something on the empire strikes back and the cardinal virtues and I'll go into what that means and where I see that in focusing on the Empire Strikes Back why not I mean it, it is objectively the best film <laughs> objectively in terms of filmmaking standards storytelling standards that people study in class <laughs> and you know talk about and get doctorates in uh, and so teasing out those themes it's where we get a lot of our initial depth about the force yes we got a bit in Obi-Wan in the hut but Yoda and Dagobah is where the where we get uh, a lot of depth there so something about where I see the cardinal virtues I did the theological virtues one advent uh, just in Star Wars as a whole I'm going to focus that and compress that so uh, for Lent the seven weeks of Lent six weeks and yeah, we'll see. There are four theological, four cardinal virtues. So, see how that works. Um, I may decide to go bi-weekly just because it's Lent is such a busy season and so much going on, so many extra things we take on voluntarily and we take on because as a church we provide more for people to take on for extra services and things like that. So, I'll, I'll see. I'm going to give myself that that uh that privilege if you will um, but yeah that's what's going on one last thing i forgot to mention i did watch the force awakens again a few weeks ago and i enjoyed it better than i thought i would probably because it's been a long time since i'd seen it maybe about a year um, what i realized what it was it isn't a remake of episode four it's a remix of episode four in some ways in that the more interesting things are the interplay between what's old and what's new right and so and we just seeing the old thing in a new guise almost like special editions plus i'm being still critical it's still my least favorite but i still enjoy it enjoyed it it was still high depth was enriching i still don't expect jj abrams to do uh, anything more than tell Ray's story, and, that, and that's all we can really ask Ray and 
and Finn and Poe's story. See if they tell Ben's story. I don't know. But I don't really expect anything beyond that to incorporate the rest of the saga. We'll see. Lori and I are to be pleasantly surprised. Okay, so that's uh, 60 minutes intro. Let's <laughs> get to our topic. Thanks, R2. Okay, so Grey Jedi is a thing that's gotten floated around, and I think in Legends it was a thing. It is decidedly not a thing, and I've touched on it before. But people want it to be a thing, and so um, uh, Clashing Sabers, they sat and talked about it. I'll link that episode in the description. And so I went ahead afterwards and listened to it, and I posted um, on their their Facebook page what uh, my response to it, just to get it out there. And then I printed it. Sound you here is paper. And see, in the 1980s, there was this technology called a printer, and you can send things from a computer to a printer, and would put this paper. And so instead of, so I didn't have to switch between screens. I I printed it out uh, what I wrote, and what I'll do is I'll go kind of paragraph by paragraph here and uh, kind of annotate. It'll go a little more in depth than what I mean and what I'm getting at. The art for this episode is of Quinlan Voss because I think he's the closest to uh, a Grey Jedi that we may have gotten, although I also have Anakin here. And it's Anakin after he's fallen to the dark side. So it's really still Vader. Um, still with the lightsaber helm. Thank you for that. Um, so we'll just get into it. Um, and uh, the first place I go is when in 1000 ABY. Just setting that up. They write the history of the Force. Qui-Gon Jinn and Ahsoka Tano will go down as two of the greatest servants of the light. That we've ever seen. And the reason I start with that is, and one of them makes a comment, oh, Qui-Gon and Ahsoka are Grey Jedi. <laughs> and I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> uh, and I understand where, where that's coming from. Where it's coming from is, and this is where, where one of the Brandon especially goes, where they both go, is... They're outside of the institution of the Jedi. They, Qui-Gon and Ahsoka, I mean, Qui-Gon's a bit of a rogue. Ahsoka just straight up leaves. Um, and so they're not beholden to that institution. And people will see that as, example, or they're not beholden to the Jedi. And, uh, you know, they're not beholden of the Jedi. They tap into emotion a little more. They they don't follow the institution, and I'll get into that uh, in a bit later. Um, Said so there are no gray Jedi, and I throughout I use quote unquote gray Jedi because there are no gray Jedi. 
There are Jedi who employ compassion and sometimes anger in the service of the light. There are no gray Jedi, quote unquote, but there are Jedi who are more inclined to take, to take action, to take action, that's key, for the greater good. There are no gray Jedi, but there are Jedi who understand that everyone acts in part for our own welfare or because it feels good or because we have needs too. So a lot of the discussion in that podcast revolved around the place of our own emotions and the place of our own, especially the place of attachments and anger and the motivation. We feel something we desire to go do it. And that gets conceived as, uh, as being wrong, as being selfish in some way. And, for our own welfare that conceives of being selfish in some way that's a sign of the dark side tapping into that or to put another way Christians maybe teach that church might teach that your own desires are a sign of the dark side that fits in interestingly with the gospel for this past Sunday that I preached on yeah Um, turn the other cheek let people take if someone steals your coat, give them your shirt. Um, an understanding of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ that says we're supposed to, or you know, Paul says, mutilate your flesh. That we're supposed to lie down and be doormats. And that's the only way to holiness and truth and living rightly in the light side. We're just basically to shut off and we think that that's the Jedi Code. Uh, and I'll get to the Jedi Code at the end. Um, we all act for in part for our own welfare. We are There are Jedi who employ compassion and sometimes anger in the service of light. Even Obi-Wan, when he's younger, he's hard on the collar. He changes, but you see his his anger, especially when... Qui-Gon that's just being killed. And that motivates him to, to go and do what he needs to do to take out Darth Maul, for example. I brought out, I mentioned Quinlan Voss again. He has this laissez-faire sort of, oh, I'm just going to go do what I need to do and, and be where I need to be and uh, take action. That gets complicated, especially with Dark Disciple where um, he takes this assignment from the Jedi Order to assassinate Count Dooku. Assassination. Another person we're close to is, is Mace Windu. When they mention him, going to Palpatine, taking action, uh, you know, being able to, to go and... and do what needs to be done and it's complicated and it's tricky but it is possible to be in service of the light especially you know obi-wan on mustafar heartbroken you were the chosen one there's this attachment with anakin that is broken and obi-wan is not tapping into the dark side there <laughs> he's just 
grief-stricken. You know, when Satine dies, another attachment that's broken is, is killed by Maul. Again, <laughs> Maul comes back, right? He's not tapping in the dark side. He's grief-stricken. Right. And we all experience life. We all experience disappointment. We all have desires. It's the ways we act on them. Right. The great example of Anakin, go back to, uh, this again, it's complicated because we're also dealing with violence. And where violence might be justified in the service of good. And that's a tricky question. In the Mandal one of the Mandalore arcs, we're on Satine's ship and traveling to Coruscant, and it's being infiltrated by separatists, I think. And Obi Wan's trying to, in front of Satine, trying to subdue him peacefully, <laughs> possibly. And the next thing, he, and, and he's not going very far. And the next thing you see is a blue lightsaber coming through the guy's <laughs> chest, uh, the the separatist guy's chest. And you hear the Imperial March, and you see Anakin right there, and Obi-Wan is Anakin, right? And that's the closest we've gotten in canon to, for Christ's sake, Anakin. Um, why do you do that? You know, I'm not saying ends justify the means. I'm saying there are some Jedi who think so, who believe so, and they're not necessarily gray Jedi, right? Because here's the thing, and let me continue. Because compassion and anger are not evil. Domination, compulsion, and manipulation are. Taking action is not evil, especially on behalf of the poor and weak, in anger and injustice, against anger, or taking action in anger against injustice. Taking action is not evil. Taking rash action that harms others is. Acting in part for yourself is not evil. Especially if it acknowledges that we're all vulnerable. We all have needs. Acting for ourselves within the wider communal context is not evil. It can be good because what benefits me can also benefit you. It benefits us. But putting yourself above others, only seeking your own welfare at the expense of others, only doing things because they feel good, that is evil. Placing yourself, your institution, at the center of society as judge, jury, and executioner, well, that's the shroud of the dark side. The Jedi Council, Mace, and even Yoda say the greatest teacher of failure is, thought they were doing what was best, but they were under the shroud of the dark side. Okay, so I'll stop there and say, and I've brought this up before, we think Jedi equals light. We think you know, Sith equals darkness, yes. When we think Jedi equals light, the narrow dogmatic view of the Jedi, well, that's the light side. But no, they were trying to control the galaxy through the means of the Republic. They were also then beholden to the political machinations of the Republic. And those political machinations, we know, were under the sway of 
a Sith Lord. Therefore, in that way, a Sith Lord who just come, who had just come, just came in and saw the situation already. And of course, we believe with the rule of two, we can see maybe things were being manipulated for thousands for a thousand years. Uh, it's legends, but James Lucino goes into that a little bit. But the Jedi, by the time of the prequel trilogy, did not represent the light. They were under the shroud of the dark side. Anakin thought he was doing good. Trying to save Padme. I think they bring this up in the in the podcast or in an article. Trying to save Padme. Trying to protect her from what she thought was certain death. Manipulate the midi-chlorines to create life. Well, who does that? That's the dark side. Anakin thought he was doing good. And we'll look where that ended up. And so what is true is tapping into our own selfishness, even for good, introduces a powerful instability, an easy slide into the dark, where the ends always justify the means. And that is something they do go into to their credit in in this podcast is they, they, they're hinting at there's this instability. And Brandon especially goes into this kind of not, it was never even EU gray Jedi code of I will provide the balance. I will do this. I will do that. We tap into darkness and it continues to pull us. Right there, an example of the real world example for me, you have well, two real world examples. I mean, you have the Ku Klux Klan, they are the Sith. And I'll get to that in a little bit. I'll get to another example in a minute. Ku Klux Klan, they are the Sith. The All Lives Matter folks, to Black Lives Matter, I would say they're the light. All Lives Matter folks think they're being fair and balanced. There's wrong on all sides. Whatever. But all that really is, is paying lip service to the, the, to racism, to the reality of racism and accepting almost unconsciously the, the victim mentality that a lot of very fearful, uh, angsty white men have. <laughs> no, very things, very fear that leads them to burn crosses and put white hoods over their heads, right? And to lynchings. And uh, it's how dare they try and tip the scales to their favor when really they're just trying to equalize. That's an example of, to me, that that's gray Jedi. If you want gray Jedi, that's the all lives matter crowd. <laughs> right? There's this instability and an easy slippery slope there. Qui-Gon and Ahsoka, getting back to them, they are, again, they are ideal servants of the light. They fought against that downward tug that had engulfed the Jedi. Right? 
Qui-Gon stood apart from the council and even the recent comic. He sees this thing brewing. He says, unlike, Qui unlike uh, Mace Windu, he pays lip service to saying we're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. Qui-Gon really believed it. Ahsoka is falsely accused um, and isn't given a fair trial and just being is made into a, a, uh, a scapegoat for all the, uh, the difficulties that the Jedi are facing and the, the fact that they can't find their way. They made in, even into a means, you even see Palpatine smirking in this episode, in that episode, in her trial. A means of Palpatine bringing stability to the Order. And the, the Jedi do not uphold peace and violence, peace and justice, even in her case. And so she leaves. She says, I'm done with this. I'm This institution is under the shroud of the dark side. And I'm going to step out. I'm going to leave all these supports and all these attachments that have sustained me, but also have pulled me down. And I'm going to go on, go off and do my thing. And she's survives Order sixty six, and and she's in the the pro, the right time and place to then be able to survive after the fall of the Jedi Order. That's what's interesting there, and something I hadn't thought of by leaving early. Yeah, Anakin or Vader would have hunted her down, and the Inquisitors hunted her down, or tried to. Because not because she's a Jedi, because she's a light side user, right? Uh, but she's properly, she had the ability to leave the Order already, get a place to live and survive without that institution. Without those supports, she can go communicate with Bail Organa. She can take up the fulcrum mantle, really create it. I mean, if you look at the logo, it is kind of the markings on her forehead, right? Take up the fulcrum mantle and be a founding voice in the Rebel Alliance. And that's what Southern Ontario's Kate Johnson's novel goes into, right? Um, Qui Gon and Ahsoka escape the downward tug that engulfed the Jedi to fully serve the light, serve the force, the source and flourishing of light, of that common life that surrounds us and binds us together. So this gets out all the way back to what we mean by balance of the force. And in the podcast, Brandon brought up his duality, light and dark, and a use of language. I'd want to move away from that a little bit because let's do some Augustine theology here. And where I come with balance of the force, the balance of the force is the light side. And we, I'm going to keep saying this because people are just not going to get it. And this is kind of the point I'm getting at ultimately. It's what Dave Filoni said. You don't want the dark side. Again, the dark side is the clan. Kind of that kind of balance. Then would be all lives matter. 
right? That's not balance. That's that instability. That's a deep imbalance. This instability that drifts us into racism, into defending oppressors, really. Um, the, you know, truth, light, God is the final truth and the basis and ground of truth. And that's the Christian claim, the claim of a lot of, a lot of faiths. It isn't that there is some rival opposing force. We don't believe in a duality. And we have ways of talking about it. Light and dark. Holiness and corruption, sin. But all that is, all light, all darkness is, darkness is not darkness, it's unlight. Evil is not evil, it's ungood. Right? Hell is not hell, it's unheaven. <laughs> it's away, not turning toward, as opposed to turning toward. Right? Death is not death, it's unlife, except when there is balance. And balance, and in balance, death actually serves life. Right? Going back to Ray's vision, the the eggshells and the corpses feed the soil, make for, shoot forth new plants. Life that binds us together, surrounds us and binds us together. So why then do we want Grey Jedi enough? One final break. Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Why do we in this real world want Grey Jedi? I can't help but think it springs from its two very different sources that really don't have much to do with each other. I'm not claiming at all <laughs> much to do with each other. But they're both uh, one's a, a, a problematic questioning of institutionalism, institutions, and one's a very helpful and prophetic question, results in a very helpful and prophetic questioning of institutions. First one, I think it originated, I and mean, you see the the imagery, the, the people who usually wander are these angsty teenage fanboys, and they're trying to dismiss them, trying to say they're struggling with engaging with aggression and anger in healthy ways. The Sith, they look cool. Brandon, again, said that Sith look cool. Really cool. Um, and, but we still, we, we can't cheer for the cheer for the bad guys. We're the bad guys. We want the good guys to smite the bad guys. Hells yeah. And I think the way they understand Jedi, that's not good enough. That's too docile. And as an institution, man, they're just cramping my style. Or their style. And I don't, that's where it came from in the 90s. Fanboy culture. I think more recently, from a completely different angle, uh, 
it comes from the I mean there's the word very worthy aim of seeing elements of good in all philosophies in all religions and comes in the episode the other the 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 other person used the image of a stained glass window her pastor would use this image stained glass window different pieces different colors all coming together to form a picture it's a beautiful image but that doesn't that's not that picture is not what gray jedi are <laughs> it may be what balance looks like but that has nothing to do with tapping into the dark side uh, the jedi and the prequel trilogy are portrayed as a stodgy medieval institution and so we automatically assume that the way beyond that, beyond the stodgy medieval institution, is to give the Sith and the dark side their due, right? The way the church would stamp out heresies and the way, uh, even, even at the Reformation and other voices didn't fit with, with the established tradition were stamped out. And, and we, there are good and problematic reasons why we now in our day valorize uh, the underside, the, the, those who, the magisterium or whoever uh, silenced or, or, or disagreed with or whatever. Um, and the, a big example, take it from a Christian interfaith perspective, the dark side isn't Islam. It's ISIS, right? So Christians in our day, this is a very much an incredibly beautiful development. We can and must dialogue with Muslims, our neighbors, our global neighbors. And those dialogues have been very fruitful. They have helped Christians how to live more peaceably in the world. There's been collaboration on refugees and on uh, ending conflicts and on just gaining mutual understanding of each other with compassion. But ISIS, I mean, I don't know what the answer with ISIS is other than saying, you know, yeah, ISIS, they're Muslims like the Lord's Resistance Army are Christians, right? We we have to grapple with that fact. The Christians have to grapple with Christian violence. Uh, but they're not a dialogue partner. <laughs> right? They're, you know, and, and, and you know what I'm getting at here. Right? They, ISIS doesn't want a seat at the table. So we can't actually, it's actually to the benefit of all to not give them a seat at the table. Right. So when it comes to both angsty fanboys and very legitimate interfaith uh, contemporary liberal ideas, right? They rightly sort of point to the stoicism of the Jedi Code. Again, going back to the Jedi Code. As a thing they're reacting against in wanting to tap into Emotion, compassion, and anger. But here's my point. Again, relating to Qui-Gon and Ahsoka 
everything I've said before, everything I said at the top. Compassion, even anger, acting out of need is not inherently evil. We're all vulnerable. We all have desires. There's a reason why we have desires. We believe that God gave us those desires for the welfare of all, ourselves included. <laughs> and so taking that be like the light side, you know, the harsh stoicism of the Jedi Code, there is no compassion, whatever. Harsh stoicism of the Jedi Code is not an under accurate understanding of the light side of the Force. Let me say that again. Just as the Jedi Order was under the Shroud of the Dark Side, the harsh stoicism of the Jedi Code gets the light side wrong. Precisely because it ends up being about controlling others and repressing yourself. Right? And control, repression, well, that's the Shroud of the Dark Side. That's what plunges them, at least in part, gives Palpatine the beachhead, at least, to plunge into darkness. Palpatine didn't really have to do much. They had done so much already for themselves. You know, and like I say with with Christendom, with the medieval institution, it really lasted until the 1950s, 1960s. And in some parts, well, parts of the world, in some parts of the West even still here, just as the Christian consensus. It's not inherently evil, it just is and was in, in a lot of places, especially in our cities, is no longer. You needed to needed to go, the Jedi Order needed to be purified by people. The Qui-Gon saw this, Ahsoka has a part to play in it. So does Luke. Right? So does Ezra, as far as we know. The Last Jedi, so does Rey. <laughs> and that is definitely definitely where I hope Rey's story ends is you know, I don't know about an institution of the dark side, but as a fuller and more faithful servant of the light. So no, there can't be gray Jedi. Why would we want there to be gray Jedi? Either they do end up serving the light or they get tugged into the darkness. But if you're lukewarm, <clears throat> they just get spit out. <laughs> to quote Jesus there. Well, <clears throat> to quote Jesus in Revelation. Um, I hope that helps. I hope that clarifies things. If you enjoyed this, if you hated it, let me know, NEUG485 on Twitter. Give me a follow at MNEUG1138 on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and may the light side of the Force be with you. <laughs>